devil in his place. Now, we're still talking about that. And we talked about putting the devil in his place. He has a place. His ultimate place is going to be the lake of fire where he's going to be there suffering with all the unbelievers that's going to be suffering with him for eternity. And, uh, and we think about that. That's a long time. You know, why would somebody want to put up with the devil here and follow him and listen to him and go through all the things that Satan would put somebody through and then end up at the end of their life going to have to live with him for eternity? And the thing about it is they're going to live with him dying. It's not going to be a living, living. It's going to be a living, dying. And that, anyhow, we don't want to go there, right? So we put him in his place now so that we don't go to his place then. So we walk with him. Then, then last week we talked about putting God in his rightful place. So I was thinking about this. There's three entities that we deal with, that we deal with the devil. Everybody that especially to the age of accountability, that breathes a breath on this earth, has to put up with the devil. He's there. He's on you. Like Pat said, he's on you all the time. He don't, he don't quit. He's relentless. I'm looking for the point to where I can resist temptation to the point that Jesus did that I can tell somebody that the devil left me for a season. I hadn't got there yet. Because it seemed like when I, you know, I win this victory and overcome him and bang, there he is. But I found out there's a victory here. Everywhere the devil shows his head, there's a victory, folks. There's a victory. Every time he brings something against you, there's a victory there. So we have to walk in it. So, but then as I put God in his rightful place, this is the other entity that we deal with. And I don't mean to lessen God or humanize him by saying an entity. But I'm, I'm trying to make a point here. So uh, that we put God in His rightful place, that's where the victory is in these situations and circumstances. So we deal with the devil. We have God to look to. But then there's a middleman. You know who the middleman is? Me. Now, I'm not your middleman. But I'm my middleman. Okay? I'm the one that makes the choice of Satan, God, bad, good, I make that choice. So, what I want to talk about today is putting yourself in your place. You know, you, you ought to get up in the morning and look in the mirror and say to, to that image that you see in the mirror, I'm putting you in your place today. And just lay the law down. I'm putting you in your place. All right? So we're going to talk about that. Are you ready? James chapter 4, verses 7 through 10 is where we're going to read today. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw nigh to God, and he will draw nigh to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Be afflicted and mourn and weep and let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to heaviness. Humble yourself, therefore, in the sight of the Lord and He shall lift you up. You say, well, now, Pastor, I found it now that all i got to do is just humble myself. Well, it is. You know, that, that, that's, that's what it comes down to. But there's some things that you and I need to realize about us in relation to God. 
Now, I don't want to talk so much about us in relation to the devil, okay? I want to talk about us in relation to God. See, when, we, when we'll really take our place, we've got to realize that Satan is under our feet. We're in the body, and Jesus is the head. So we're looking at here and here and the distance in between. So I want to keep him as my head and Satan under my feet. I, that's, that's my goal in life. Now, he, he says some things here. In verse 8, he says, cleanse your hands. Cleanse your hands. Now, he says, you sinners, and I don't want to, I'm not politically correct, but I don't want to offend nobody. Okay? <clears throat> I believe that once we become a child of God, the label sinner should fall off of us. And we should walk with the attitude, I'm a child of God. So many people run around through life, and I hear them, and every time I hear it, it just sort of cringes down in my stomach. People will say, well, I'm just an old sinner saved by grace. There's, I, heard, I heard a well-educated, I mean D-D-D, T-H-D, all of this kind of stuff on the end of his name say this, that there's two kinds of sinners. There's saved sinners, and there's lost sinners. Now, if you're saved, that identity as a sinner ought to leave you. Now, does that mean you never sin again? No, that's not what I'm saying. But what I'm saying is this, that's not my habit. That's not my normal way of life. My normal way of life is something different. But even at that, even though I'm, I have moved from the kingdom of darkness and been translated into the kingdom of His dear Son, there's still some things that I have to deal with. Now, where he's talking about cleanse your hands, he's talking about your works. He's talking about the things that you do every day in your life. That these, there's things that, and, and we know we all make mistakes. We, know, we all know that there's problems and situations and circumstances come up that we may not always handle it right. You know, like sometimes we may get mad. Sometimes we may say the wrong word. And, and I'm not talking about just ugly words, cuss words vulgar words, I'm talking about the word that's not good news to the weary in due season. Scold when we don't need to scold. Things of this nature. We need to be mindful of the things that we do every day. Cleanse, cleanse here means to wash. We, we need to wash our hands in the things of the world and take on our identity that He has given us. And, we, and determine, hey, I'm not set out today to see what I can do and get by with it. I'm set out today to determine to do what I can to glorify God in the actions that I take, the words that I speak, the things that I do. And then the next thing he says is purify your hearts. Purify means to make it clean. You say, well, if I'm a Christian, isn't my heart pure already? Yes, it is. But what he's alluding to here is not so much your heart, and he's not talking about the pump in here, okay? He's talking about the center of your spiritual life, but he's also talking about how that so relates to your mind, your soulish man, and, and the thoughts, because he said you double-minded. You know, you that think that, hey, I, I'm defeated. No, you're not defeated unless you think you're defeated. See, we, we walk, and, and you know, I saw a thing that Peyton, my grandson that's in the army, y'all know Peyton, don't you? gung-ho. Anyhow, he, he put a thing on Facebook this morning, and I saw it, and this guy walking through the snow, 
And he said this, I haven't come this far to only go this far. You get a hold of that now. I've not come this far to only go this far. I want to keep going, and to do that, I've got to get my head in line with my heart, and my heart says, there's no stopping. But my head says, I can't do that. But I want to get my head in line with my heart so that when my heart says, you can do that, my head says, yeah, I can do that. Purify it. How do you purify it? How do you get, how do you get clean, and how do you get pure? Well, first of all, uh, matter of fact, let me say this. Purify your hearts has to do with our motives. Cleanse your hands has to do with our works. Purify your hearts has to do with your motives. Because, see, sometimes you can do good things that look good and sound good and appear good. The only thing you're doing is doing it to impress somebody or to get something out of it, you know. So, so we've got to deal with our motives. And how can I cleanse my works and make them glorify God? And how can I purify my heart and get past this double-minded thing? Well, I'm glad you asked. Would you like to know? In 1 John chapter 1, I've heard people say, well, this, this first chapter of 1 John was written to uh, agnostics and deists and all of those people that thought that they you could be right without Jesus. No, it was written to you and me. This is the Word of God, folks. And in this he says, if we say that we have fellowship with Him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. Now that's pretty tough, isn't it? I'm not going to expound on that right today. Maybe another day. But listen at verse 7. But if we walk in the light, as He is in the light, we have fellowship one with another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, His Son, cleanses us from most of the things that we do. You won't have that, huh? <laughs> Why do we act that way then? Why do we want to live with that kind of attitude? And people even say things, well, I don't know if God will forgive me for that or not. Listen, he said that when we walk in the light, when our motives and our desires is to walk with Him, have that fellowship with Him, that the blood cleanses us from all sin. And then he comes on and says, if we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. You know who the worst person in the world to be deceived could be? You. I mean, it's, it's bad if Gary gets deceived. It's bad for him, but it ain't real bad for me. That makes me feel bad for him. But if, when I get deceived, that's the worst thing that could happen to me is for me to get deceived. And people get that way when they get to the point of thinking, well, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm doing pretty good. And I tell you, and our Christian life, pretty good ain't good enough. If we confess our sins. Now, here's a hope. Man, I go to this verse a lot. I, I, I hold on to this verse. If we confess our sins, He's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from some of the unrighteousness that we've done. No, He said all the unrighteousness. All. 
It comes on the same category as the all back up in verse 7 comes on. All. If we say that we have not sinned, we've made him a liar and his word is not in us. He's talking here in these things in relation to sin about a pattern and a way of life that people sometimes develop even after they've been born again. Thank you, Pat. And, and you know, some of us say amen because we know it's true, and others sit there and look because we know it's true. <laughs> now, the first thing that we do to cleanse our hands and purify our hearts so that we can put ourselves in our place is always come in the blood of Jesus. I made a statement to Bo this morning before church. I was talking about this. I done preached this message at least once, maybe three or four times myself this week. I was preaching it to Bo this morning before church because I felt like he needed it. I told him, I said, look, the blood of Jesus is our point, our contact, the point of contact for grace. Jesus shed his blood for the whole world. His grace is for the whole world. But people do not experience that grace until they come to the blood. So we walk in, we walk in that covering of the blood because of the grace of God. And as we do, when we do sin, there's an instant understanding that I've done something I shouldn't do. I've said something I shouldn't do. I have, I have, have not done something I ought to have done. Then we're quick to confess it, repent of it, and move on. Why? Because of the blood of Jesus. That, don't let, listen, I'll get on this in a minute, but I'm going to make this statement right here. Don't let condemnation pull you down. Okay? Uh, I'm looking at, i got to look at this this morning. Now, then we walk in the Word. The Word. In uh, Revelation, it talks about overcoming the devil by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony. Okay? What's your testimony based on? Is it based on just solely an experience? And the experience is good. But our testimony is not only based on the experience, it's based on the Word of God. So if I want to cleanse and purify, and I want to do that, then I start with the blood of Jesus. Now, now folks, let me make this statement, and don't, don't misunderstand me. I believe that if you sin... 19 times a day, and you confess that sin 19 times a day, He'll forgive you 19 times a day. I believe that. God's Word declares that. And I believe it. But let me tell you, it's not God's best for you to continue to do the same thing over and over and over and get forgiveness for it over and over and over, and God will do that. But God's best is that once we're forgiven of that, that we walk away from it by committing ourselves to the Word of God. You're not going to grow apart from the Word of God. So if I want to put myself in my place, then I need the Word of God in my life. Jesus prayed in John chapter 17 and verse 17. As he was praying for those disciples, he realized they were going to have difficulties and problems. So he prayed, Father, sanctify Sanctify. 
I was talking to a guy the other day, and, and we were sort of joking about sanctification. He said, well, I know I need to get sanctified, but I've not cussed all I wanted to yet, so I'm going to wait till I get through cussing all I want to, then I'll get sanctified. <laughs> they some folks got that attitude. I'm not ready to be completely right with God yet. What's hindering? Are we enjoying? Listen, sin's only pleasurable for a season, and sometimes that season's not but a minute. When we think about season, it's not as long as a 15-game football season is, okay? Sanctify. Set them apart. Cleanse them. See, this word sanctification has a cleansing aspect to it also. And he said, sanctify them by thy truth. Thy word is truth. Now, I'm convinced the more I'm in the Word of God, the less mindful of sin that I am because sin begins to fall off of my life. It begins to move away. Why? Because I'm growing in the Word of God. And the things that I once did, Paul said, and the things that I once I don't do those things anymore. Why? Is it because that all of a sudden God reached down and done some great miraculous work? Now, there's things I quit. Let me tell you. When, when, when I got right with God on April 2nd, 1969, I probably cursed as bad as anybody going. Didn't care who was around except my mother and daddy. Now, I'd be sure I didn't do it in front of them because even I was nearly 21. Daddy would still half kill me. My mother would have finished it up. But, or the other way around. But I'm going to tell you, that day, I mean, I just quit talking ugly. And over the, over the years, I even come forward to where I don't even think ugly words. I don't. I have to hear somebody say something that's ugly before it ever, you know. But as far as just thinking, you know how you sometimes you ride down the road and somebody does something ugly to you, cut you off, and you just... But the expletive is not deleted. Coming out of your mouth. Wouldn't it be good if that would happen? That God would have some kind of, Holy Spirit have some kind of editing device. I could still say what I wanted to, and when it come out of my mouth, every word would be okay. <laughs> but it quit like that. Drugs quit like that. Now, that, did everything quit in my life? No. There were some things I had to work on. But I had a basis to work on those things, okay? And, but, and, but I want you to notice, I worked on those things. And the more I was in the Word of God, and the more I drew close to God, these things just began to, to fall off. And, and, and see, that testimony can go over and over and over around this room this morning. All of us can, can say those kind of things. The closer we get to God, the less sin that's going to appear in our life. In Ephesians 5.26, he's talking about the relationship between a husband and wife, and he talks about Christ and the church. And listen to what he says, that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the Word. So I want to put myself in my right place. I come under the blood of Jesus, and then I apply myself to the Word of God. You need to stand and look at yourself in the mirror in the morning and say, let me tell you something. Today, you're coming under the blood of Jesus, and you're going to be in the Word. If all you've got is a little bit of time to listen to some on your way to work, listen to it. I don't mean just play it. Listen to it and apply yourself to it. 
Get up a little earlier. Read some of the Word of God. Take it with you throughout the day. One of the, 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 the one time in my life when it seemed like I grew the fastest in my walk with the Lord was I was working. I had to be on the job, clocked in at 10 minutes to 6. I had a 45-minute drive to get there. I would get up early enough every morning to set my, I'd, I had to cook my own breakfast because she had three children to deal with, and so I just cooked my own breakfast. All right? And I'd cook my own breakfast. I'd sit there, and while I ate breakfast, I'd read the Word of God. I'd read a passage. I'd read it over and over and over and over. And I took that with me throughout the day. And when I had a, a little bit of downtime at work, then I'd be thinking about that Scripture. And as I look back on that time, that was one of the fastest growing time periods in my life, growing spiritually and growing in faith. Now, are you full-grown pastor? No, I'm just big. Spiritually speaking, I'm not full-grown. I've not got there yet. I'm still growing. You remember my green tomato illustration, right? Well, let me tell you again. I always want to be a green tomato. Even though a ripe tomato is so good and nice and you can use it in so many things, makes good salsa. I know that some people make green tomato salsa, but it's not as good as red tomato salsa. Make good salsa, good soup, good stew, good sandwiches, good on hamburger. I mean, just so many things that that thing's good for. I don't want to be a ripe tomato. Because a tomato, as long as it's green, it continues to grow. When it starts turning the least bit red, its growth stops. That's as big as it'll be. But one thing about a ripe tomato, even though it's so good, it's just a few days away from being rotten. I want to be a green tomato. I want to grow. I want to grow in the Word. I want to grow in that understanding. I want to, I want to, I want to draw close. He said here, not only did he, before he said cleanse your hands and purify your heart, he said draw close to God. Now we've talked about this in several different things, but I want you to look with me for a moment. In Luke chapter 10, I want to read to you verses 38 through 42. Now it came to pass as they went that he entered into a certain village and a certain woman named Martha received him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary which also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. Now I want you to notice. Who sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. Now, we're talking about putting ourselves in the right place putting ourselves in our place, sitting at the feet of Jesus and heard his word. You say, well, he's not here. I can't sit at his feet. Every time you sit down with the word of God and begin to read the word of God, especially if you want to get real, real about this, read the Gospels and read the red letters, the, the words in red, and sit there and imagine yourself hearing with your ears the words of Jesus. Because that's what Mary was doing. She was sitting at the feet of Jesus and heard his word. Well, her sister Martha fit 90% of the church. Martha was cumbered about much serving and came to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister hath left me to serve alone? Bid her therefore that she help me. I don't know why they're not doing this. Why they And Jesus answered her and said, Martha, Martha. Thou art careful and troubled about many things. You know that keeps us from the Word of God? Careful, the word careful here is anxious, worried, and troubled. Keeps us from the Word of God. 
Worry and trouble stunts our spiritual growth. And the reason it does is because it hinders our faith. Faith is not developed in a worried, troubled mind. So we have to turn that to Him. And do, and do like Paul said in, in uh, Philippians chapter 4, don't worry about these things, but pray about everything. Turn it to Him. Give it to Him. She said, he said, you're, you're careful and troubled about many things, but one thing is needful. And Mary had chosen that good part which shall not be taken away from her. What, what is that? That's the Word of God. She's chosen to hear and to feed on and listen to the Word of God. And that can't be taken away from you. Let me tell you, let me tell you here is a surefire way. Now, Satan, as long as the Word is just in your mind, Satan can deal with you. He can mess you up. But when you begin to meditate on that word that you read this morning, you meditate on that throughout the day, and it begins to get down in here, Satan can't get the word out of your spirit, man, unless you give it up to him. It's here. It's called revelation knowledge. And problems and difficulties may come, and things may arise in life, but you have that revelation knowledge. And Jesus said it's this, that I, on which I'll build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. It's that revelation knowledge of the Word of God that is in here and regardless, Satan can't get that away from you. See, when you have that down in here that you are a child of God, that you are in Christ Jesus, regardless of what Satan may come at you with, what he may throw at you, he can't get that out of here because you know that you know that you know that you know that I'm a child of God. Amen? Ne never, never, listen, if, if you're born again today, never say, well, I, I just don't know. Yes, you do know. God put a knowing in you. Now, when we get to this point, then we understand that we are in Him. In Him, Acts 17, 28 says, for in Him we live and move and have our being. Now, Paul is talking to some Greek people over here, and he's talking about some other things. But the thing that I want to bring out in this verse right here, that in him we live and move and have our being, and as certain also of your own poets have said, for we are also his offspring. We're his children. And we're in him because we're his children. He has put us in this position. See, and, and then he said this, now that we're in him, he wants us to be like Him. Y'all quiet on me now. Have I, have I lost the anointing? No. <laughs> he wants us to be like Him. In uh, Romans chapter 8, verse 29. See, in verse 28, He had said that all these things work together for good, those love the Lord, those who are called for this purpose. Listen to what He said. For whom He did foreknow, He also did predestinate. See, that's two words that people get confused on right there. He also did predestinate, but God determined something for you and I that He knew was going to come to Jesus. See, God knew before the foundation of the world who was going to accept Him and who was going to reject Him. And you know He's given the whole world an opportunity to prove Him wrong. But they've never proved God wrong. And it's not that people are born to be saved or born to be lost. That, that Just wash that out of your mind completely. There's whole denominational doctrines that's built on that thought right there. 
You, let me tell you something. I don't believe there's a person in this room that was born to be lost. You may leave this earth lost because of your decision and your choice. And you may go to that hell and that eternal lake of fire, but it's your choice. It's not because God said before the foundation of this world, all right, that one down there now, there ain't no hope for them. They're going to go over here. No, no, He didn't do that. Every person, for God so loved the world, not just the chosen, but the world. God knew, and, and he, he determined this, that every person that becomes a child of God, every person that makes Jesus Lord of their life, He determined this way back here, that every person that comes to the knowledge of salvation is to be conformed to the image of His Son. That He might be the first fruit among many brothers. The word image, what does that mean? It means a likeness. It means a representation of. It means that we look like him. I had a guy work for me one time many years ago. He come in all just all gung ho. He said, "Oh, I want you to know I got saved yesterday, and I'm going to grow me a beard and grow my hair out, and I'm going to get me a robe, and I'm going to start wearing sandals." I said, "Why?" He said, "So I look like Jesus. Ain't we supposed to look like Jesus?" Well, in our physical appearance. That's not what he's talking about. He's talking about being conformed to his image and our spiritual man. And listen now. And doing the things that he did when he was on this earth. Carrying on his works and letting his works be seen today. You say, we're supposed to be that way? Well, we're changed from the glory of God. Changes us into that in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18. But we all with open face beholding as in a glass the glory of the Lord, the glory of the Lord, now listen to what he said, are changed into the same image, the image from glory to glory, even as by the Spirit of the Lord. What he's talking about, folks, that now that I'm in Christ Jesus and I place myself under his head over Satan, then I need to live my life. We go back to this, cleanse your hands. I'm to live my life in a way that people see Jesus in my life and not David Carroll. See, I, I wouldn't. I would never, never care. I never care if anybody knows who David Carroll is. If people would look at me and say, "That man's a child of God." I, I don't care about being known as a pastor. I mean, I, that's an honor and a privilege. Don't get me wrong, folks. I'd much rather be known as a child of God. When I work. On jobs, I never went on a job and, and it demanded somebody to respect me because I was a pastor. I never did that. I'd go in there and live my life. I wanted to show Jesus. It wouldn't be long until somebody would come to me and say, Are you a preacher? Uh, you don't act like the rest of us do. And I'd tell them, Well, yeah, but I'm a Christian more than anything else. I want to be a Christian. And, and I want it, and see, that ought to be our goal. That ought to be our desire. See, when I, when I commit to that, I'm putting myself in my place of being conformed to His image. First John chapter 4, verse 17, in the, in the New Living Translation, I like the way this says this. It says, and, and as we live in God, live in God, our love grows more perfect. So we will not be afraid on the day of judgment, but we can face Him with confidence because we live like Jesus here in this world. I, I can't I can't feed a multitude. Have you ever tried? You know, so many things that we say that we can't do, and it's because we've not tried it. We've been told that we can't do that. 
We've been told that, that we can't raise the dead because after all, they embalm them different today than they did in that day. Have we ever tried? See, we've been told there's things that we can't do, but this tells us that because I'm in Jesus, then I need to live my life and pattern my life and be before Him and drawing nigh to Him and being conformed to His image that I can begin to do some of the things, same things that He did here on this earth. See, He taught the Word. A lot of people just don't, don't get... When you think about doing the things that Jesus did, we get in our mind, healed sick, raised dead, and cast out the devil. And those things ought to be done. But listen, He taught the Word. He showed love and compassion. He cared about people. He did the things that He did because He cared about people. And, and you and I can do that. See, that's something we can do because uh, that will show people that we love them. They'll hear it in our words. They'll hear it in our voice. And, and, and they'll see it in our actions. And when they get around us, they'll, they'll feel like, hey, there's something different here. And they'll leave feeling like they're a better person than they were when they came there just because they've been around us. Why? Because we're representing Jesus and we're standing there representing Him. See, Paul said that we are His ambassadors to this world. What do we have in Him? I'm in Him. I want to spend the last few minutes talking about this. Because I am in Christ Jesus, and I'm there, put myself in Him. See, I put myself in Him when I was born again. Sometimes I have to remind myself where I'm at. Put myself up by the bootstraps and say, get in, get back in there. You ever had to do that? Well, sure we do. In Him, now this is going to be good for you. In Him, now that I am in Him, I've been born again. Jesus is Lord of my life. There's no condemnation. Romans chapter 8 verse 1 says, There is therefore now. I haven't got time to tell you what the therefore is standing for, but if you go back and read verse 7, I mean chapter 7 and come down and see what the dilemma that Paul is talking about, the unregenerated man going through when he wanted to do good and couldn't, and when he, when he didn't want to do bad and, and that's all he could do, and, and those kind of things. And he talks about how that he's delivered through Jesus Christ, and he comes down and he says in this part, now then, that all of that has been taken care of in Jesus, there's no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. King James says, who walks not after the flesh, but after the spirit. I know a lot of other translations leave that part of it out. But folks, if you want to be sure that you walk free from condemnation, then you live in Christ Jesus. Amen? There's no condemnation. And the reason that there's no condemnation is because now then that I am in Him, I am a new creation. 2 Corinthians 5, 17 says, therefore, there we got that therefore again, and I hadn't got time to go back to the therefore, but I'm bringing it up to this. If any man, I'm going to say it this way, if any man, woman, boy, girl, anybody be in Christ Jesus, they're a new creature. A species, uh, actually means a species of being that never before existed in that manner. You're a new creature. When, when I got born again, God created something new in me. And He did in every one of us. I'm a new creature. I'm not that which I was. I'm new now because I'm in Christ Jesus. I'm in Him. I'm not in myself. Old things have passed away. 
And that, that where he said, Behold, old thing, all things are passed away, it has the sense in the Greek, in the verb tense, of talking about a continual work and progress, that the things of the former life are falling off and going away. Why? Because I'm putting on the new man and walking in Christ Jesus. Second Corinthians 5.21 says that I don't stand in my own righteousness. It's not my good deeds. It's not what I think. It's not how I feel. I stand in His righteousness. For God made Him. The He in there is God. You understand that now? For God made Him, Jesus, to be sin for us. That us don't need any explanation, does it? I mean, we know who that is. Who knew no sin. Now, understand this, the us and the who there don't go together, but the who and the he go together. Jesus is the one who knew no sin. Not you and me. Boy, I mean, we were born in sin, shaping in iniquity, and came into this world, and then we got the age of accountability, and all of this stuff just began to bombard us, and, and, and that kind of thing, you know. And it wasn't us that didn't know any sin, but it was Jesus who knew no sin. Why did he become sin? So that we could be made the righteousness of God in him. The righteousness of God. Paul said in Philippians, he said, it's not my righteousness that I've attained to, but it's his righteousness. And I walk in that righteousness. It's not, it's not right doing here either. It's called right relationship because man in the garden left right relationship with God, but Jesus on the cross brought man back into right relationship with God. And all the effect and everything that Adam did in the garden could not overshadow what God did when Jesus died on the cross because it brought me from an unregenerated, unrighteous person. That day I made Jesus Lord of my life. I came a new creature, and I received the righteousness of God into my life. I don't stand before God because I'm a preacher. I can't come in there and say on judgment day, when I got, I've been a preacher. I've been a preacher. He liable to look at me and say, depart from me, you workers of iniquity. I never knew you. It's not my righteousness. It's his righteousness that he's given that I stand in. I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Say that with me. I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. That's putting ourselves in our right place. Then... Because of being forgiven, no condemnation, because I'm a new creature, because I'm His righteousness, then God is committed to it to see that I always win. Second Corinthians 2.14 says, Now thanks be unto God, which always causes us to triumph in Christ and makes manifest the savor of His knowledge by us in every place. When I am committed to winning, when I'm committed to standing in my place in Him, God sees to it that I win. He don't make me win. He sees to it that I win. And the word triumph here is not necessarily the victory. It's the celebration after the victory. So folks, we can have a celebration all the time. That's the reason every day ought to be a day of thanksgiving. Then, Ephesians 1, 4 says, I'm chosen in Him. You ever felt like that person whenever all the kids were choosing upside, you'd always be the last one? Hey, I, I've been there. I played that part. I did. But I'm going to tell you what. He chose me in Him. I might not have been chosen first. I wasn't chosen last, though. We were all chosen at the same time. 
get there. God looked down through the eternity and said, I choose you. If, his, if he was from the south part of the where he come from, he'd say, I choose y'all. We're chosen in him. Ephesians 1 4 says, According as he hath chosen us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. And not only that, because that Ephesians 1 3 says, I'm blessed with all spiritual blessings. Blessed be the God and Father of our, our, our of Christ. Our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us, has already blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. In Christ Jesus. When I stand in that relationship, the blessings of God are mine. Thank you for that amen. Then one, a couple other things. One is that we sit with Him in heavenly places. We talked about this a couple of weeks ago. How that when God raised Him up in heavenly places, and power and glory set him in his own right hand. He gave him a realm of authority. And Ephesians 2, 6 says, He hath raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. In Christ we're brought into that same realm of authority. My child, don't go through life thinking that you're powerless. You have power and you have authority. You have the ability and the obligation and the privilege of overcoming the devil every day and keeping him under your feet. Hallelujah. And I got news for you this morning. You don't have to look anywhere else. The world hadn't got it. We know that already. And if you don't believe that, just watch television for a little while, listen to the news, read the newspaper. You'll find the world hadn't got it. So why do we quit? keep looking to the things of the world? Listen. The Word of God tells me in Colossians chapter 2, verses 9 and 10, that in Him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. Verse 10 says, And you are complete in Him, which is the head of all principality and power. I'm complete in Him. I don't have to look anywhere, go to for anything else. There don't have to be any kind of longing. I, I'm, I'm sort of like the woman at the well to some extent, and Jesus said, you drink of this water, you'll never thirst again. I'm complete in Jesus today. In me. Because I'm in Him. And He's in me. Get a hold of this. Now listen. This may jack you up a little bit. In me dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. Because I'm in Him. He said, I don't know if I can accept that or not. Well, you can. You definitely can. Because this is what God's Word says about you. This is not what pastor's saying about you. This is what God's Word says and God's Word declares. That you, 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 you are complete in Him. We have everything we need. Why would we look for anything else? Anywhere else? We have all the wisdom we need. We have all the knowledge we need. We have all the power we need. I hear people praying, Oh God, oh God, give me more power. Where's God going to get it? He's already given us the Holy Spirit. That's part of the Godhead bodily, and He's in us. And where's He going to get it? What we need to do is commit ourselves to letting that power be seen and be used in us. In Him. In the morning, you can do it today. But you need to look at yourself and say, Listen, I'm going to put you in your place. You listen to me. 
You're under Jesus, his authority. But you're over the devil and his power. There's no condemnation in you. You're a new creature. You're the righteousness of God. You've been chosen. You have all blessings, spiritual blessings. You have that. You've been raised up with him to sit in heavenly places. And you're complete. Walk in that. Stand in that. Live in that. Because we are complete in Him. Amen? Put yourself in your place. Because this is who you are. Now, if you're not right with God this morning, whatever, it might, and I, you know, I'm going here. If there's things in your life, here's where this last part of this comes in. Humble yourself. Humble yourself. Sometimes you have to take a step to admit before God that there's things that's not right in my life, but that's bringing on humility. And I don't know about you. I, I like to believe everyone in here is prayed up, paid up, packed up, and ready to go. But you alone know that. Well, not you alone. God knows that. You know, sometimes people around you know that too. But you know it's not those people around you that count. You don't humble yourself before people even though there's a humility before people. But in my position with Him and coming into Him, I humble myself before the Lord. And in doing that, there's nothing wrong with saying to the Lord, Father God, I missed it. I'm not where I need to be. And I ask you to forgive me. I confess that I've done wrong. I repent of that today. And I receive your forgiveness and your cleansing from this. I put myself in you today. And I'm going to stand in you. Y'all stand with me just now.